0: is up, everybody. Raymond Summerlin here. This is the Sharp Angles podcast. This is the fantasy preview edition of that podcast, which we do every single Thursday at 1130 Eastern over on our YouTube channel. So if you're listening to this uh, via a podcast, know that we do this live on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Warren Sharp, subscribe, and, and you'll get notified for that. And every week, I am joined by the man, the legend, Lord Reeves himself, Rich Rebar, who I have to assume is excited that we are finally we are finally finished with the the last week of no buys for at least a little while. The buy weeks are mercifully coming. All of those previews you have to write, those wonderful worksheet previews. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a couple fewer every week moving forward. I have to I have to assume you're very excited about that.
1: <laughs> we we always do scout out the bye weeks and we see what you know what weeks we get a little bit leaner so every every uh game that we remove does help uh you know they take 90 90 minutes sometimes up to two hours if it's a crazy game like bill's dolphins um but yeah listen we're we it's crazy about that, that we're, but... we're a month we're a month down already like it's it, it, yeah, it goes so quick man
0: yeah it, you know what's funny it's these this always goes really quickly and I always found that when you get to the double-digit weeks, it's like, oh, the, how is this not over yet? Like the first <laughs> the first seven, eight weeks, you're like, oh, how are we already eight weeks in? And then in week 12, you're like, oh, we should already be done with this, like bring on the playoffs. I don't even know why we're still here. So yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun roller coaster of the NFL season, but obviously we all love it and we're excited uh, to talk about it. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to get into play some real or fake with some interesting performances or some interesting situations coming out of week 3. I don't know, maybe a former Texas A&M running back who lit the world on fire, maybe we'll talk a little bit talk a little bit about that guy in real or fake and then we'll preview some of the games. Bills Dolphins obviously is the the key matchup this week. And so we'll talk about that. Before we get there however, I do want to mention we have an interesting promo at Sharp Football Analysis running this week we are going to, it's going it's time for our annual points promo what that means is that you're going to want to root for a high scoring game between the lions and packers on thursday night football which if you're listening to us after that has been played then you're already going to know what the score is our next big discount will be the total number of points scored in that game so the lions beat the packers 35-31 you'll be able to take advantage of a 66% discount site wide that's a huge discount so we're rooting for a lot of points we're gonna have Christian Watson active in that game we're gonna have Aaron Jones active in that game it seems like we're gonna have David Montgomery active in that game we have a lot of a lot of offense there so we're hoping for a lot of points if you're a fantasy customer but have been thinking of trying out the sports betting side this could be the deal you're looking for you're going to use the promo code points to get the discount and that will be applied after the game on Thursday night, and we find out how many points. It's an amazing promotion. It's run every year. Go and check it out. Promo code points over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. All right, let's get to it. Real or fake? Let's talk about that former Texas A&M running back who my I live in, those of you who don't know, I live in Central Texas. I have many... Many Aggie friends, and they were very, very excited about about the the Devin A chain, the Devin A chain explosion. And so he's kind of our first topic here. And is it real? Is it fake? What are we doing with Devin A chain? I mean, obviously the numbers we saw in in week three, those are not real. We're not. That's not happening again. We're not seeing that again. However, are we going to see his usage continue? Are we going to see him continue to get enough touches? To be fantasy viable kind of how are you viewing this situation
1: i mean, the first thing is real or fake is what is his name like you know he, he does it have an apostrophe does it not is it a chain is it a chon now uh we, we were trying to I get have, all over the map here uh he, so he, <laughs> i would always pronounce it so a
0: chain is what sounds right to
1: me given right. where he i came out this week and said uh, that wasn't right it's like man what is going on yeah.
0: That that that's interesting. The apostrophe does seem to be the correct way to do it. Like, I think that's what it is on the Dolphins. <laughs> I have started using the apostrophe because that's what it is on the Dolphins site. And I always want to call people by, you know, and write their names correctly and call them by whatever. In fact, this has been a very name heavy podcast. Last week we had who I'm now calling Isaiah Pacheco. And now we're now we're here with <laughs> now we're here with AJ. But yeah, no, it's it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, um, um... I didn't hear
0: that he had wanted his name pronounced differently. I am mean, gonna that's going to be hard for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because, you know, we spent the whole offseason and, and, and H.A. sounds really cool, too. It's a really cool name. That's uh, got a lot of nickname potential as well, you know, to play off of it. So, but I mean, you look at the what his skill set is and what the Dolphins do offensively, like we're going to run into spots like this. I mean, he was an explosive player at a uh, he was a guy that was one of the best in the class in, in terms of you know yardage created on outside runs he was a good guy like after contact but like a lot of his after contact stuff was like what we saw last week you know he, he, he breaks a tackle at the five yard line or five, within five yards line of scrimmage and then goes for 45 more yards <laughs> and it boosts like the the yards after contact per carry um if he was on any other team I would say like this is kind of like a fugazi but like we've seen, that Mike McDaniel consistently gets the ball to players that matter. And, you know, we saw a little bit of this heading into last week for DFS with Jalen Waddle being out. And a lot of people were like, Oh, it's, you know, Braxton Barrios going to get a bump. Is River Craycraft going to bump? You know, he's going to get a bump. The dudes that are fast and good at football. Uh, and that's like what Mike McDaniels kind of built into this offense. And that's what we love about what he brings to the table. But is H.A. going to be a guy that like gets you know, 15 plus carries or opportunities like in games, like probably not. He's probably gonna live in like that, you know, maybe like eight to twelve ish range. Then what do you do with those? Um, we're not gonna get 70 points a lot of at least I don't think we're gonna get 70 points a lot of weeks. Maybe we do. Um maybe going back two weeks ago when Bill Belichick only allowed 24 points to the Dolphins, maybe that's proof that uh, you know, Bill still have maybe even has it given to what we've seen. Uh, the first couple of weeks with the, with the Dolphins offense. But I think you're probably going to be looking at like a big play dependent, like kind of flex type of guy. Um, it re- really does though, as does throw a little bit of a wrench in like the Raheem Mostert stuff, right? Like Raheem Mostert was looking like a locked in, like almost rb one. Um, and he was getting out snapped and out touched by a chain in the first half of that game. So it does just add like a wrinkle of volatility here into like everybody because, running back stinks already. Like we were happy just to have like another guy that we can count on with most And like, what if he becomes volatile now? I think, first
0: of all, the Patriots thing I've, I've actually, I think I wrote that in the power rankings over at sharp football analysis. And it is interesting. I'm not sure the Patriots, I, I kind of don't think they're good. Cause I just don't think the offense has it, but they now have played the Eagles tough and the dolphins tough. And then obviously got the win against the jets because Zach Wilson is you know the worst quarterback in the league. So that that team is interesting. I'm very interested in that team to watch. To your point about this split, A-Chain had 10 carries and Mostert had seven in the first half. So it wasn't like this was A-Chain cleaning up in garbage time, although I suppose garbage time started pretty early in that game. But yeah, there was, there was a split that was happening. I think your point is very good about the coaching staff. This is a coach, an offensive coaching staff, that we expect to be able to use players like A-Chain correctly. Think if this team had Jameer Gibbs, and I think we would all be a lot more excited. And you know, Ben Johnson's a very good offensive coordinator, but they have, I think, a bit of a different mindset with, with kind of the way they use him. If Gibbs was with Mike McDaniel, we'd have been much more excited about it because we're going to trust him to get these players into the places they need to be. And so that makes you excited about what a chain can do on a per-touch basis. However, you have to be worried about those touches because, I mean, it took a, what, Salvan Ahmed uh, injury i injury for, for him to eat a chain to even get into the game, right? Uh, he also, he was able to do this on some like historically big plays or how many plays he was able, able to do. So I think this is kind of real in that McDaniel is going to use a chain correctly, but I also think that there's going to be a lot of eight for 40 games that you're just not really that excited about.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I also think the timing of it is interesting. And you know, obviously the Ahmed injury propelled this, but going in just ahead of this like huge divisional game this weekend yeah. and like having that wrinkle now, like because the Bills were obviously preparing for a lot of things that they've seen, you know, a, a, a lot of, you know, the Tyree Kill stuff and Mostert got them uh, last year in their in their second game. And now you just get this added wrinkle that they have to prepare for. So I do think that the the timing of it, I think, was definitely, you know, by design as well.
0: Next up on our list is Deshaun Watson. We talked about him, I believe, on the podcast last week, where he was going running into a matchup where he needed to perform well, and he did. So I guess we're excited about that. But are moving forward, you know, they play the Ravens this week. Are we are we trusting this moving forward, or is it now just a situation where if he has a good matchup, we're going to be more confident in his ability to score fans?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we're looking for, right? Like, if he just kind of meandered his way through that Titans game and maybe had, like, a rushing touchdown and had an inefficient passing day, like, then he just becomes, like, kind of like like a volatile Konami code type of guy, like, kind of the rest of the season. But the fact that we had a layup spot for him, he had the passing efficiency. Also, that was another team. Like, they did what they were supposed to do. Like, the Browns game plan last week, Was like opposite of what some of the teams that have played the Titans have done, you know, against them where they tried to run the football. The Browns didn't do that. Like even with Jerome Ford, uh, you know, they they had a lot of outside runs and they just leaned on the pass. So it's a tougher spot this week. And then Watson has the bye. Then he has 49ers. But then after that, you know, we've got Colts, Seahawks, Cardinals. Like those are matchups we want to count on having like a locked in QB one. And by him delivering, you know, last week, it gives us a lot more confidence in those spots to aggressively play him, not just in season longs, but like in DFS, too, as well.
0: Yeah. And I think your point about them changing up is interesting because this is also the first game, uh, you know, without Chubb. And so we have to kind of decide, is what they did, is that a result of the matchup exclusively, or are they going to try to change things moving forward? Because Jerome Ford, you know, isn't it. Like he's, and I know that was a really tough matchup last week, but his splits, you can just tell the difference between he and Nick Chubb by looking at yards before contact for both of them behind the same offensive line. Maybe Jerome Ford gets better, but I don't really think that that's the answer. Kareem Hunt's already hurt. I don't think they're going to be able to lean on this running game.
1: And I could be very wrong about
0: that. You know, we'll see moving forward. It was obviously a very bad matchup. For I mean, the dude's getting but, you know, we'll 20 see. million
1: dollars. Like he's got to win some games on his own. Like got to punch up. That's right. <laughs> That's the key is that he
0: needs to he needs to play, you know, he needs to play better and maybe the Browns need to build the offense more around them. Like I said, it was the Titans, but they 67 66.7% first half drop back rate last week uh, compared to 61% week 1 and 2. They pass more around the line of scrimmage. Watson's uh targets uh intermediate and deep so 10 yards or more was down 10% the percentage of his targets down the field his off target rate was down to 6.1% probably because of the way you know they were using him and so maybe these maybe these changes weren't just because of the titans maybe it's something we'll see moving forward but i but i think that that's i think that that's the real question to your point he has to do it like he has to do it that's that's why you're paying this money they need to they need to make this happen by the way this defense the browns defense is unbelievable Unbelievable. The Browns defense is giving up negative .64 yards before contact per run. They're hitting, on average, they're hitting be- running backs in the backfield. And they haven't played, like, they've just played Tennessee. <laughs> and that is what they did. That that team, that defense is, is really incredible. Next up, we have C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, I I think I, I think we talked about him last week. C.J. Right. Stroud's been quietly good. And then he comes out and just absolutely uh shreds to have a great fantasy day again. I know Warren Sharp wrote about CJ Stroud and kind of wrote about uh this game on the website sharpfootballanalysis.com so go and check that out. But I mean the only regret I have from draft season is that I didn't have a distinctive like a set tweet that said C.J. Stroud is very clearly the quarterback one in this draft because I believed that, but I don't have any evidence of it. What I can say is props to you and props for Ryan McChrystal. We're taking a week four victory lap. C.J. Stroud is amazing, and I'm really excited about kind of where this offense can go. And I guess the question is, are we just trusting this offense moving forward and trusting this
1: passing game? Um, I think probably we still want like it's progressing, like it's, it's building, we're building that confidence of getting there. Uh, definitely, I think if they do hit here, uh, not that this, this, the Steelers are like this unbeatable defense, like when they don't get pressure, uh, we've seen them give up big plays, but like this is a nice p- punch forward versus the last two weeks of Colts Jaguars, right? You know, so if they continue to progress, then we feel good. But I mean, listen, these we've talked about it, they've had four offensive linemen injured, they're also still not just like confidently like winging it with him. They do are when they have to, but this team's still trying to like run on early downs. They're getting themselves into consistently third downs and third and longs. And even last week, Stroud is bailing them out of these third down plays. Uh you It's a tough way to live in the NFL. So we still would love to see some more like a progression on, on early down passing. Um, but listen, everything's moving forward. It's all going as planned. You've got to feel really good about it. If this is a spot that he does, I think he has like a top 15. I think he needs to be a QB one this week. I think if he has, like, a top 15, like, type performance, then, like, he's basically, like, a locked-in QB2 and then, like, even streamable in, like, when the matchups come around like the, like they were the last two weeks. But, um, yeah, he was QB1. He remains QB1. Hopefully, it sheds the stigma on uh, Ohio State quarterbacks uh, moving forward. He's
0: Yeah, he's reversing all the damage that Justin Fields is doing in, uh, yes. in Chicago yes. to the brand. Uh, do you have a, you need to go and find, you need to search if you have like a definitive CJ Stroud as the QB one tweet. You just huh. need to retweet it. We have several the when team
1: they, team. when the Panthers traded for that pick, I mean, me and Ryan did a, a show about, you know, like, yes, this is like it, like Stroud fits like exactly what Frank Reich wants to do. Mm-hmm. Like, this is perfect. perfect. And then didn't happen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then they drafted Bryce Young. Yeah. Um, so you yeah, were like we'll mad Bryce Andy Young, Young Dal- isn't even
1: playing this weekend. Like we want Andy Dalton to play for like that game to pop DFS wise.
0: Exactly. Yeah, we were we were very much hoping we we're going to get another week of Andy Dalton. That's where we've come to in Carolina. And by the way, I think Bryce Young will be fine and will right. develop and be fine. And he has no weapons to work with, so I'm not taking shots at Bryce Young. But it was it was interesting that Andy Dalton comes in and then immediately the passing game works and he throws for what 361 yards. That's at least an interesting an interesting thing to watch. Um, and then finally, I want to talk a little bit about this Chargers wide receiver situation because I think that to me it's pretty clear who the number two wide receiver is uh, with the Chargers. I do wonder if you haven't been paying close attention to it, if you might think it's actually Quentin Johnston. To me, it's very clear that it's Josh Palmer. Am Am I off base there? Or kind of how are you viewing this situation now that Mike Williams is out for the season?
1: Well, short term it is Josh Palmer, but how long does he hold it? Right. Like you've got multiple yeah. you've got multiple pulling factors here. One obviously is the draft capital that was invented invested into Quentin Johnston. Two, we have a very large sample of Josh Palmer not being very good. Uh, he played basically he, he played a ton of snaps. Like he led the team in, in targets last year and you know just was not good on his opportunities. So how long does he hold on to that? Short term, yes, he's ahead of Quentin Johnston, but I still think big picture if you're playing with a long game in fantasy, like there was a lot of crazy bids on Josh Palmer this week, uh, especially yes. in FFPC. And like, we already have proof. Like, what is he winning you? Like he can be a glue guy. He can get you through as like a wide receiver three floor play. Maybe there's a little bit of upside here. Short term with Austin Eckler being out, right? Like, cause the, you know, big Mike was getting even more targets with Eckler out. So maybe that gives a little bit more trickle through Josh Palmer, but big picture. They, are invested in Quentin Johnston succeeding, like there there is actual like tangible investment in having like Quentin Johnston work out. So big picture, I still think like you you he's like a guy you add to like benches now. Obviously, bye weeks make that with the bye week starting it it makes it a little bit different. Not everyone has the luxury of having that roster spot they can tie up, but a lot of people are still holding like J- Jackson Smith and Jigbo right. Like it, but like Quentin Johnston has like more of a runway now than even JSN does. Uh, and people are going to hold on to JSN for the upside angle. So I still think longer longer play, if you're looking to win fantasy championships, that probably Quentin Johnson is going to impact that more than Josh Palmer. But for the immediate week four, Josh Palmer is a wide receiver three. He ran 97% of the team dropbacks with Mike Williams out of the game last week. Going back last year, that's 93%. He's got a great matchup against the Raiders. Justin Herbert looks like an amazing spot. And like I said, if Eckler's out, these targets got to go somewhere.
0: So just kind of a quick aside, the better LA receiver, Josh Palmer or Van Jefferson? <laughs> who's
1: oh. our Oh boy. They're...
0: They seem very similar. They're very similar here. They're both got these opportunities and it just hasn't worked out. You have to name a name, Josh Palmer or Van Jefferson. Who's better?
1: Uh, I'll say Palmer.
0: Yeah, there we go. So you love him. So you love Josh Palmer. Do, On record. On record. I love Justin Herbert.
1: I do love Justin Herbert. That
0: is fair. That is fair. <laughs> The one thing I'll say about Quinton Johnson is, and Ryan McChrystal has talked about this, is that he, while he might look like the type of receiver that would be outside and down the field, that is not what he was in college. That is not what his skill set is right now. That is not how the Chargers have been using him to this point. He has 7.13 air yards per target. 75% of his targets have been within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, 37.5% behind the line of scrimmage. And so they have been using him as a closer line of scrimmage receiver, hoping to use his yards after catch ability, which is very good, and hoping for him to make big plays that way, which is not exactly the Mike Williams role. Even though Mike Williams had been been used around the field a little bit more this year, um, that is not the Mike Williams role. So does he even fit into that? Or are they going to have to change the offense? Are we going to get to see more of Justin Herbert, especially once Eckler gets back, more of Justin Herbert getting back to throwing around the line of scrimmage like we saw last year? And so it's going to be interesting to see kind of that development. And if Johnston can't kind of establish himself down the field, does that leave open the path for Palmer to just kind of be the number two wide receiver all year? And I think that, that would be the concern you'd have whenever you're thinking about these two wide receivers and who we're really interested in for fans.
1: And the big thing was is you know and we were ahead all summer of Keenan Allen in terms of price, and Keenan Allen is looks like he's going to basically compete to potentially be like a top six. Keenan Allen's averaging more fantasy points per game than Tyree Kill right now, uh, which is crazy to think about. You know, obviously, but the, you know, just had the eighteen, the eighteen catches. But he's been now. This goes back to midway through last year. His past nine games, he's been a, a wide receiver one score. Uh, six times, and he's outright led all wide receivers in scoring three three times over those nine weeks, which is like an extremely high rate, right, to to actually be the highest scoring wide receiver three times in a nine-week span. Uh, that's significant. So Keenan Allen looks like he's going to smash. We just need him to stay on the field this year.
0: Please stay healthy, Keenan. I'm very happy right now with all my Keenan Allen, uh, my Keenan Allen share rate. I'm very happy with it right now. Please, please stay healthy. Please stay healthy. All right, let's move on to talk about a few games this week. We'll get started with the game. This is the game this week. and Mm. That is the Dolphins traveling to Buffalo to play the Bills. There are a lot of angles to look at for this game, but I think one of the most interesting ones that you wrote about in the worksheet, which, by the way, go to sharpfootballanalysis.com, and you can find Rich's fantasy preview for every single game this week. It's known as the worksheet. Go and find it. You can read it as long as you are subscribed to the Fantasy Package or the All Access Package. which By the way, we're running that points promo. I mentioned at the top, however many points are scored in Thursday Night Football, that will be the discount on every package on our site. So go and check that out. Use promo code points and uh, read Rich's amazing work. But one of the things you wrote about that I thought was interesting is how the Bills changed the way that they defended last year when they played Miami. Because the way that the Bills traditionally set up, it seems... That's not the best way to attack this Miami offense, especially with that this Miami offense right now. And so what are the Bills going to do defensively? Can they even slow this team down? Are they set up to slow it down? Like, those are really interesting questions heading into this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, too. You look at the Bills uh... – Last year, they they were aggressive with the, with the dolphins, and you know I obviously removed all the the Skylar Thompson dropbacks, and uh, you know the, we only looked at we only looked at the two dropbacks, but I mean they blitzed two more than they blitzed every quarterback except for one last year. Um, they, they only blitzed at 18.8% rate. They blitzed Tua on 31% of his dropbacks. Um, to be honest, it didn't really work either. Uh, he, he, he was, uh, he had the second highest pass rating against the Bills last year and his two game sample against them. Uh, and Mike McDaniel kind of found answers. He even found a, a little bit of answers along the way too. We saw them improve each time they played him. even that remember Tua didn't play in the playoff game, but they hung around in that game probably longer than they should have. They had like a, a weird, like, I think a block punt. Josh Allen Josh had a fumble that kept them around. But they were able to like hang around in that game. Uh, and we've seen Mike McDaniel now. We saw it with against Brandon Staley in week one. But, like, when things don't work, uh, he adjusts. And I'm real curious to see now what he has lined up with Tua in this game against this Bills team. And the Bills have a multi-year sample of being good defense but they also will have open the year playing Zach Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam Howell. Like this is like the first legitimate test that we're going to see like this defense face as well. And this was a defense that did have moments last year where they gave up production uh, against front end quarterback play. And sometimes even not like when you look at like Jacoby Brissett, like, uh, you know, scorching them in that that weird game that they played in Detroit uh, against the Browns. Um, but yeah, it's when you look at the Dolphins, though, it's just like, who is really stopping them, right? And is it just a situation where you have to be like the the Patriots, like in, in week two? Like two is still at over eight yards or pass attempt. They score 24 plus points. Is it a situation where you have to slow the game down? We've seen the Bills run more of a condensed offense like it's I'm really real curious to see like how the Bills like approach this defensively and offensively like do they try to have longer drives Ah, uh, to keep the Bills, uh, the Dolphins—that is off the field. So top down, though, we got the two highest scoring teams on a per play basis. I saw it's the number. It's the first time we've had the number one and number two teams in DVOA play in like a certain number of years. So like this is the kind of game, and it's for division. Like it's it's not even just like when we used to get Bills Chiefs, right? Which is the two best AFC teams. Like this is huge impact on like winning this division.
0: Yeah, no, it's massive. It's like this is. This is the game I was looking for. It. as soon as, as soon as, uh, like week two after week two, I was Bills got back on track. The Dolphins were two and zero. I was like, oh yeah, we're we're interested in this week four game, and I think it's going to be fascinating. I I mean I think that the Dolphins are going to be able to move the ball against this defense. And so you're right. The question is the, because I mean like you just looked at the numbers. I do want to mention the numbers because the numbers are amazing. Ah, uh, the Bills blitz at the lowest rate in the league. They play the tenth highest zone rate against passes. The Dolphins have ten yards per pass attempt against zones so far the season, easily first. They have nine point nine yards per attempt uh, per attempt against non blitzes. That is something that you know we've seen going on. If you're not if you're not speeding up the process, and even if you are speeding up the process, it's probably not going to go well. And so I think that this game is going to be high scoring, and I don't think the Bills really have an avenue to slow it down because after week one. Miami's run defense is back to being the run defense that we saw last season I still don't really know what happened in week one and why the Chargers were able to run in the way they were the way they were but we've now seen the Dolphins defense come back are you going to really run James Cook into that a lot James Cook has been very very good but are you going to run James Cook and try to slow it down? Maybe they slow it down more with short passing and they they get Kincaid and Knox involved. But I think this is going to be a track meet. I think that this is going to be an absolute scoring bonanza. And I am I'm very, very excited about this game.
1: Yeah. I think they got it right too. Like it should be, if they're, if these teams are going to play early in the year, you have it in Buffalo. And I know Bill's fans yeah. are probably like, no, that's dumb. Uh, and Dolphins <laughs> fans are like, no, that's dumb. But I've, as the, as the football watcher that wants to enjoy this game, I want this, this game early in the season in Buffalo. I don't want it to be like last year. Not even though that game ended up still being really fun, but I don't want it to see snowballs on the field when these teams are playing.
0: Yeah, or anything else that Buffalo fans might throw.
1: Yes, <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> um, it just kind of one aside here. You don't need a reason to play Stefan Diggs ever, ever you just play him every week, but this is a this does set up as a particularly good matchup for him, right?
1: Yeah, I think uh there's a lot of just individual matchups that look, you know, great in this. Um obviously we'll see, you know, how the how Vic Fangio wants to explore, you know, defending these teams too as well. But Miami's open up the season, you'll know, play a lot of zone. That's Vic Fangio's way. He plays a lot of quarters, plays a lot of cover six. Uh, and we've seen so far Diggs has been kind of the guy, like it's a three-game sample, obviously. Some of these are numbers are gonna be skewed, but he's been targeted on 30% of his routes against zone as opposed to 20% uh you know against man coverage. So could be a situation here where we just get a lot of Stephon Diggs targets. I mean, I'm still curious about the Bills offense as a whole. I don't I mean, obviously don't think it's gonna be bad, but I still think their approach, like, they need, like, to get more vertical. There needs to be more vertical component to this passing game. Hopefully we, we start to see it here. It's not really Vic Fangio's thing. He doesn't really give up a lot of big plays. And I think it has to come through Kincaid, right? Like, Kincaid's not being used the way he was used as a prospect. And he is getting some, like, on a route basis, on a non-target basis. Like, he's, he's running a lot of corner routes. Uh, his, he, he does have a, a slightly above base rate on deep routes versus the actual tight end position. He's like nine and a half percent. And for tight ends, it's like 8.8%, but he's averaging just three and a half yards per target. Like we need to get more, more scene plays, more vertical plays. I I would like to see more exotic usage from Dalton Kincaid than we've seen the first three weeks.
0: I did think it was interesting. You compared him to, uh, Sam Laporta and to Luke Musgrave off, obviously fellow rookies that are being. Used a lot by the way, the rookie tight end. We we finally found the rookie tight ends. They finally exist in fantasy. Congratulations, everybody. that maybe maybe we'll have this moving forward. But you kind of compared it to the way that those players are being used. And it it does seem the Bills could could be getting more out of Kincaid on a on a per target basis than they have. I do want to mention one thing about Cook that is interesting because James Cook has been, I mean, very good. He's third among qualifying running backs in yards for carry, seventh in success rate. He's eighth among running backs in targets. We've been seeing that usage that we like, but we have not seen the goal-to-go usage that we want. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Uh, Bill's touches in goal-to-go situations, Latavius Murray has seven, Damian Harris has three, and James Cook has three. And so I am I am really worried about Cook in this matchup because we don't know how involved he is going to continue to be in the passing game. That has not traditionally been a, a place that Josh Allen is targeted, although maybe that could have been player-based. Maybe that's why we're seeing Cook get these targets. I don't expect him to have that much run success against Miami, and we can't expect him to have a lot of, a, a large share of the touchdowns in this game unless, you know, his usage suddenly changes or unless he scores from, you know, a long way away. And so I I am very worried about James Cook in this matchup and kind of what we're going to see from him. This is, he is not somebody that I would be stacking with Josh Allen or with Tua, If I'm if I'm stacking this
1: game, yeah. I mean, you know, I can't remember a season since I've been doing this where the actual number next to the running back ranks is not indicative to how I feel about that running back. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Just that you have to put another guy in order, right? Like it's like you should start putting
0: blank spaces. I like just start putting blank spots.
1: I would love to do like RB one, Christian McCaffrey, RB two, Tony Pollard, and then like rb12 like just go to the next guy i mean there are so many like faux running back ones that have to be ranked there just because of the state at the position but like on a this is why i do like the worksheet write-up games first before i do the actual rankings because i want to actually have like a feel of what i expect from the player not just like say like all right well by default because josh jacobs is getting 90 percent of the backfield touches he has to be here uh over this next player but Do I feel great that he's gonna have like this huge run out? And I can't remember a year. And we've had a lot of injuries. Obviously, Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb being removed already this early in the season. We are gonna get Eckler back at least. Um, It it impacts things, but there are so many running backs. Like even when you rank like Travis Etienne, or you bring up James Cook, like who who can you like? There's like a path here where James Cook clearly has like 50 total yards and doesn't have a touchdown. But like, what can you do if you have James Cook? Like you have to just play him. him. Like you, like yep, you have to just no play him. <laughs> so yep. it's it's crazy where we are at the running back position right now. Uh, because I, I've been doing rankings for a lot of years over a decade now, and I can't remember a year where like the actual number isn't even like close to how I feel about like the actual running back performance.
0: Yeah, and I'm, that's why I mentioned DFS with because <laughs> right in redraft you're <laughs> playing him. Like there's no. There's no option. Like I have Aaron Jones in a, I'm a longtime fan of Aaron Jones. So I have Aaron Jones in a lot of leagues and a lot of dynasty leagues. I, I have Aaron Jones, a lot of places. And we're recording this before Thursday night. It sounds like he's going to be playing on Thursday nights. So if you listen to this after, you're already going to know how my night went, but he's going right back in the lineup because what else am I going to start Tyler Algier again? Like what, what are my options here with with Aaron Jones. It really has been. It really is sad. Running back and tight end are just factories of sadness at uh, at this point. So I'm glad it, good happy Thursday morning to everybody us talking about these these terrible, terrible
1: seasons. week four I, of twenty twenty three where Zach Moss is like a bona fide standout running back. Buddy,
0: I wrote about before the season that people Zach Moss was legitimately good at the end of last season. And it, I that broken arm, it is cost, but Jonathan Taylor, who, where this is a Zach, this is a Zach Moss <laughs> podcast.
1: Right it now up. Although Light it does it seem, up.
0: It, it does seem like Taylor's going to be back next week, right? Isn't that what? Isn't that everything we've seen now?
1: Yeah, it's good. so. I mean, we do get Taylor back. Obviously, it's almost like a trans, transit, a of property at this point because where Zach Moss has been the past two games. Uh, but it would have been nice to get a running back back to like fill a void. You know, exactly. I guess that's what we'll get back with Eckler.
0: Yeah, because Kelly's not, by the way. And I told I told Curtis this on the Sunday podcast. If you if you ever hear me talking about playing Josh Kelly in DFS again, please hit me. Stop me from doing it. Because if he's not doing it against the Vikings, it's just it's not happening. Yeah, that one hurt. That one that in a great DFS week. That one, that one hurt for sure. All yeah. right, let's talk a little bit about Seahawks and Giants playing on Monday night. We don't have any injury reports for them. You know, we don't really have a lot of injury report injury information when we record this on, on Thursday mornings. We don't have anything really for the Giants and the Seahawks. I do think that this game could change a little bit if the Seahawks get healthier in the secondary, get some of their players back, uh, I mean, specifically Tariq woolen But, I mean, right now, despite what we've seen the first three weeks, despite the one and a half quarters of good play we've seen from Daniel Jones, <laughs> right now this sets up as a pretty good spot for both Daniel Jones and Darren Wallace.
1: Yeah I mean this game in general has a lot of good spots and this line is very interesting the giants yeah. being favored here obviously cuz the we've played 12 quarters of football and the giants have played two good quarters or they were down they were down over 20 points the cardinals uh and the cardinals I, are, think, you're I think you're even
0: giving them you're giving them some benefit on two good quarters like probably
1: there were, um there was some it, in
0: that second half where I didn't know about
1: and you got the Daniel Jones, obviously, you know, Kirk Cousins gets like the primetime like narrative versus him. The Daniel Jones, the Giants are 1-12 in primetime with him. And we still have another Giants game in primetime two weeks from now against the Bills. Uh, we've uh, This is already our third to start the season. Um, they've gotten absolutely smoked in both of those. And, you know, I don't think the Seahawks are going to absolutely come in here and roll the Giants. I think this is, this is very interesting. I've never really had a hard time wrapping my head around like, like something's am i missing something super obvious here because i just think the seahawks are a better team than the giants uh these teams played a year ago and the seahawks won that game too uh it's very interesting to see but like daniel jones has to play better football um he like I said he's played two good quarters full of football yep. what's that
0: full stop he just has to be better and like this yeah. is just like the deshaun watson situation last week you finally get a good matchup he played the 49ers, you played a Cardinals defense that's you know, quietly been kind of good. You finally get a good matchup here with the Seahawks. You just have to do it. Like, this is the time that you have to do it. This is why you got all that money. You have to play good in this matchup. Uh, and if he doesn't play, I'm sorry, play well in this matchup. I apologize, Miss Bro, my, my English teacher. You have to do well in this matchup. And if you don't, like, there's nothing. We can't trust this moving forward if he can't carve up the Seahawks defense that gave up 361 yards to Andy Dalton last week. we He has to play better. Egy, yeah, he every, has
1: to. every quarterback has thrown over 300 yards against them. And, I mean, last Thursday, the Giants game plan was deplorable. I mean, Brian Dayball is a guy that's built up a lot of good faith. Uh, You know, I think he is one of the better coaches. But their, their game plan against the 49ers was, was absolute garbage. Uh, we've got also like this, they're not playing Jalen Hyatt at at all. Like the only guy that can really get downfield in this offense. Like he's not, he's not had any progressive usage in the offense through three weeks. Um, you, you've got Saquon Barkley out of that game. They, they completely restrict Daniel Jones. He doesn't have any design. He's the fewest designed runs he's had all year, just a really weird. Game plan. And it was a short week. You know, these things happen, but like, I would love to see you now with 10 days, Brian Dable actually come back and have a a clear plan of attack. To me, the most obvious thing is what we've talked about with Seattle all year. And especially if they get Tariq Woolen back uh is you know we want to attack the middle of the field against this defense and you know we've had uh two of the three weeks they haven't been able to get Darren Waller going I don't think that's as big deal I someone in the Sunday chat asked me like what do they do with Darren Waller and I'm like well you know it kind of makes sense that like we've had these struggles right like you know week one they get absolutely flooded by the Cowboys the game just kind of goes crazy and then the 49ers have been elite at defending tight ends for multiple years now basically since fred warner has come back come uh into his own in that offense so he's seeing him struggle and he was really good against the cardinals in week two so i think this is a spot where it is a clear lean on darren waller game um where you want to kind of you know Attack Seattle again is is in the middle of the field, right? Like they face 72 targets between the numbers this season. They've allowed 52 completions, 504 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, Waller leads the team, in, you know, targets in that area of the field. Um, he was a guy they talked about all offseason. Like this is where like you put it. Put paper to uh, put uh, pen to paper, um, and then we'll see if they get any of these other like wide receiver jamokes there in this rotation involved. But you know, I know you're going to talk about Wandale. Uh, you know, I'll talk about Wandale do? later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, especially if Tariq Woolen's back, like you have a spot to use this asset you went out and traded for. You built this passing game around. Now let's utilize him against the team that is a clear deficiency, like stopping what he's good at.
0: On the other side here, I mean this. This matchup sets up really well for Geno Smith with the way that the Giants play defense, the way that they they blitz against uh, everybody, and they're probably going to continue to go, do it against Seattle. Geno Smith has been very good at, against that this week. I mean, this year, and but more specifically, this sets up really well for DK Metcalf with the blitz rate and the man rate that the Giants play, right?
1: Yeah, we'll give it to Wink and Brian Flores, you know, trying to change the the meta, the the go against the grain. I mean, we they both blitzed over 80% of dropbacks last, last week. Uh, it was absolutely insane. It didn't work for either of them because uh, they don't get home either on these blitzes. I mean, the Giants are now 15th in the league in pressure rate on actual blitzes when they didn't pressure. You know Brock Purdy, he absolutely cooked them, and that's kind of what we have. You know, you know when uh, the Giants took get home. So so far, when they have blitzed and not gotten pressure, opposing quarterbacks are twenty-one of 29, 10 yards per pass attempt. If you're not going to get home on Geno Smith, uh, you know he's going to cook. Even when teams haven't have pressured him on the blitz, he's been really good. He's eight and a half yards per pass attempt against the blitz to open this year. Uh, like I said, these teams played a year ago and they tried to blitz Geno Smith on 50% of his dropbacks, In that game, and he was a QB one. But like, kind of the big signal of like the. The player, since he's come into the league and you think like the archetype of wide receiver he is, uh, DK Metcalf has absolutely thrived against the Blitz and specifically man coverage. Uh, going back to last season, he's been targeted at a team high 30.3% of the time uh, when teams have Blitz. He's been targeted on 31% of his time uh, routes run against the Blitz, averaging two, 2.3 yards per out running uh in those situations. Um and then he's averaging 3.2 yards per out run against man coverage over that span. These teams did play us at a year a year ago. DK Metcalf only played 60% of the snaps in that game. He had gotten hurt the week before. Uh he just doesn't miss games. And you know, we saw again last week he didn't practice at all, comes comes in and, and you know, has you know a hundred yard game's going to play. Yeah those those, that's what you <laughs> right. do DK Metcalf is the dude's superhuman uh, and he had 10 targets on just 60 snaps in that game. So there's a huge signal here that like Monday, I wish he was on the the main slate. I'm really actually mad. This game isn't on the main slate in general because of the Waller stuff. Uh, plus we don't have like a lot of, Great back and forth games that look like high scoring on the main slate. So I'm just really bummed this one isn't there. But I think this could be a fun Monday night game. I think it's going to be different than the two previous Giants primetime games. And then when they play the Bills in two weeks, it will revert back to being the two previous Giants, Giants primetime games where they probably get flooded.
0: Well, I, I'm glad you keep bringing up all the Giants primetime because on Sunday night we get the Jets and we still have we still have many of those to go as well. So but at least New that York was or, one like
1: that that just happened like through injury like we they thought they were it getting makes Aaron Rodgers exactly yeah it makes sense these these Giants games like you reap what you sow NFL yeah.
0: yeah we knew we knew that there was going to be some some nasty regression hitting this team and uh, you know here we are for sure I'd say the one thing one thing I would worry about with um, With the Seahawks. First of all, on that blitz stuff with Metcalf, I'm really glad you put that in the worksheet because I was doing work, I was doing some research on Monday for JSN because I thought that, okay, how much the Giants blitz? Maybe this is a situation where we're going to get JSN around the line of scrimmage, they're going to try to get the ball out quick. But that is not what C- Seattle has done. They are not getting the ball out quick. They are throwing it to Metcalf, and so yeah, I was really excited about that number, and I'm I'm excited about Metcalf this week. The one concern I would have about this game in general is if the Giants are just bad, like if they're just right. bad, if it's not they can't even move the ball against Seattle's defense, and especially if Seattle's secondary gets healthier, then I I do wonder how much volume we're going to see. Going back to last year, the Giant, I mean the Seahawks are 21st in drop back rate in snaps that they are leading by seven or more and so they are a team that really shuts down the passing game whenever they're leading they are going to run the ball a lot maybe this is a good better spot for Kenneth Walker than it looks because of that and we know Kenneth Walker's usage has been really good although we did see more Zach Charbonnet last week with DJ Dallas so out so yeah so that could that could be interesting but yeah that that would be my one concern otherwise this looks like a really good game and finally a fun one a fun game on monday night let's have a fun monday night game that
1: that's what i'm looking (laughs) for and there's only one monday night game this week
0: yeah and yes thank you for only having one monday night game i am i am it was hard you know i like the multi-view on youtube tv but following both those games on a monday night after my after my adhd medication has worn off for the day that was uh that was really you know difficult uh tom asks about dk overprop i actually haven't seen the over under On DK, Tom, if you post that in the chat, you know, we can maybe talk about it a little bit. Uh, It's a Monday
1: night game. It's Thursday, you know, morning. Probably not going to have it. Yeah. He does have a prize pickup. I I did see his have a prize pickup if you go over there.
0: So that could be interesting. In general, I would say I'm going to like the over on DK, but I'm not sure what that number is uh, right now. All right, finally, we have the Rams and Colts here, which is a game I'm weirdly interested in. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Rams have been surprising. They're one and two, but they've been surprising. And they've played uh, the 49ers and the Bengals tough and close. The Colts are two and one, coming off a win against the Ravens. They're getting Anthony Richardson back. It seems like this game is set up great for us to get the return of the Stafford and Puka Nakua that we had in the first two weeks. And so I'm really excited to see kind of where that goes. And after Nakua, you know, didn't have as big of a game on Monday night, I'm interested to see, you know, how excited are people about him at DFS and wondering is this a, is this a spot that we could that we could get interesting here with Nakua. What are you thinking about this
1: game? Huh. I mean, you had five for seventy, and like everyone's like mad. Like it's just like imagine being your third career game and having five catches for seventy-two yards, and like everyone's just like, ah. Like it was like
0: thirty-five <laughs> of those came on like the like one of the last plays, right? So I yeah, think but, that's but still, where still
1: like still like bottom line, like like exactly, wide receivers, like even the best wide receivers are volatile. Like, you know, like it is just crazy. Like the, the that's how good he was the first two games of his career that just made five for 70 just feel like such like a just a letdown, uh, for sure. But the Bengals did do some things that the Rams hadn't seen, you know, defensively against them. They played uh man coverage 38 of the snaps. That was the highest uh rate the rams have seen this season it was the seventh highest rate for any team in week three and nakua didn't get any targets against man coverage absolutely zero he ran 16 routes against man coverage zero targets against the against zone though he was still targeted on 33 percent of his routes which is still a massive number uh the colts have played zone coverage the second highest rate in the nfl and they have to play zone coverage like they don't have any any defensive backs um so that's like oh, by gosh. design uh they're last in the rate uh, in terms of man coverage in the nfl Uh, So through three weeks, he's been targeted on 39.6% of his routes against zone coverage, 18.8% after the uh, 0% on Monday night. So I think it is just a good flop lag spot for him. We still at least have at least one more one week without Cooper Cup. It sounded pretty ominous that even if he's going to be ready next week either, uh, we'll stick a pin in that. We know he's not playing this week. And if we get Anthony Richardson back in this game too, like this is another game that just could outright be fun, right? Like it's another one of these games indoors. The Colts are a team that I'm going to be targeting for a lot of overs over the course of the season uh, until the lines get super adjusted. We didn't get there last week because of, you know, the, the weather wasn't really good. The Ravens weather. couldn't drop back and throw in that game. Um, but I still, it still almost ended up getting there by default. But I still think the Colts are going to play a lot of games that are relatively high scoring.
0: Yeah, And I think what you like about the Colts is that they are moving at a high pace, which we did expect. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't exactly resulted in a ton of plays for them, but they have faced a lot of plays because of kind of the way that, that they're running. And so that's going to lead to to more overs. I do think the Colts pass catchers would be interesting to watch this week. We uh, We hit on several overs. We hit on both the Josh Downs catchover and the Pittman catch over last week because of Gardner Mitchew and kind of what we expected to see out of him. Now we're getting Richardson back. You know, it was kind of a small sample, but we've seen, with Richardson, that Pittman was used a little bit more down the field, and that he wasn't targeting Josh Downs at all. Josh Downs had a 17.1% target per route rate with with Richardson. It was a 27% target per route rate so far with Minshew, and so I think that Richardson coming back does hurt Downs. It could help Pittman. Maybe we see him a little more down the field. Um, you know, he has been he was helped by like a screen that he took a long way in week one, right? That was week one, but. It's gonna be interesting to see kind of how this passing game with the Colts changes a little bit now that now that Richardson is back. And hopefully, even though it's gonna hurt downs, I'm hopeful we're gonna to get to see at least a little bit more upside from Pittman here with, with Richardson.
1: It's gonna be interesting. I still think there's gonna be a lot of volatility. I mean, Pittman, we have a very small sample so far, but very Anthony small. Richardson of as a thrower uh has been terrible, like throwing anything beyond like five yards uh again, it's a super small sample which he's really is surprising is only, he's only played It's surprising
0: given what he did in college, right like that was the one thing in college that you liked about him was he was actually kind of good down the field throwing it and I guess if you don't like Alex Pierce, then you don't really have <laughs> options to throw it down the field. Yeah, t- with, uh, with the Colts.
1: Both of the rookie guys, Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, still small samples earlier in their careers, but on throws 10 yards or further, they're both dead last. They're the two bottom quarterbacks on those throws. Anthony Richardson, 3 of 11 so far in the season, throwing 10 yards or further. Bryce Young, 6 of 25. Uh, Another reason why we wish Andy Dalton was playing against the Vikings. Um, but yeah, and, and Pittman, like, DJ that, Chark, huh? this is going back to last year though, like Pittman and then you can blame the quarterbacks there, but like he just hasn't won downfield a lot. And even last week, you know, he has the long catch the on the, the 35 yarder, but it's an absolutely demon catch too. But he's not, he's, he has to win and contest the catch game, right? Like he's got that Mike Williams gene a little bit where he's just not creating a lot of vertical separation. Um, He's averaging just 5.9 yards per air yard per target. That's 79th among 88 wide receivers with double digit targets in the season. He was at the bottom of the league last year in that department too. He's a guy that just has to live on like flirting with double digit targets. The good news is he probably should continue to live that way the rest of the year, but it also hurts the other guys. Like you mentioned like downs or even hoping that anything would happen without Pierce. Because with Andy Richardson is under center, you just have a lot top down reduction of team pass value than you have with like a guy like Gardner Minshew playing. Um, and that's why you saw Downs kind of spike and you can take advantage of like those low uh, those low hanging, you know, overs. Uh, but yeah, it's really kind of just Pittman. If Richardson's starting, like he's the only guy I think you really entertain. Uh, and we kind of hope, hope we, we have a little hopium for for that Josh Downs is just involved, but we still expect Richardson to have a lot of lean weeks as a passer.
0: And then still be fine for free. Right. Because, I mean, <laughs> as we've seen through two
1: weeks, he is just a
0: dynamic running, running quarterback. And the Rams defense like, is good,
1: but like they're like not as bad. I think we have a couple of defenses like that. Like we were expecting maybe the worst from them. And just by them not being as like the worst defense in the NFL, it's helped them out a little bit. Yeah.
0: yeah. The Cardinals are definitely, I mentioned them earlier. Not the Bears.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Not the, no, the Bears. Jeez, the Bears. Um, the, by the way, Broncos-Bears, you were talking about fun back-and-forth yes. games on the main slate. That one is quietly – that one could be fun because those defenses are not good. And Russell Wilson has been – it has not been Russ's fault. The game against the Dolphins was not Russell Wilson's fault. Uh, he He has been playing fine. And so that defense has really has really been has really been interesting. You did have a stat about Richardson and his rushing in the worksheet. I can't remember it off the top of my head. I don't know if you can either. But like, isn't he just behind Lamar Jackson in rushing and he's only played like
1: right. six quarters yeah. or something like that? Was
0: that the number that you think yeah. you had? It was wild. Like it, he's just he's second in rushing among quarterbacks and he missed an entire game and then f- what four yeah, quarters uh, three quarters in the other game. Good job, just. Good job, Anthony Richardson. I'm I'm loving having you on on the fantasy teams that I do. All right, let's move on to to my favorite segment, your favorite segment, Un- uncut gems. Who do you have? Uh, who do you have this week for your
1: uncut? Gems? Yeah, you know, I was, I was debating who to go with uh, this week, but uh, I think with the coming off of the 70 point, giving up the 70 points, like what kind of changes are we going to see in Denver? Right, like there, there's something's going to change, whether it be like playing time for some, maybe just on the defensive side. But, like, eventually they have to play Marvin Mims. So I'm going with Marvin Mims, especially in this Please. matchup. Because I really like Russell Please Wilson. play Marvin Mims. I really love Russell Wilson in this matchup, too. So I kind of wanted to, like, find a way to get, like, attachment to that. And I almost thought about using Russell Wilson. I was like, he doesn't really fit. But Marvin Mims leads the Denver Broncos in receiving. He's run 27 pass routes the entire season. Uh, Cortland Sutton is second on the team in receiving. He's run 80 more pass routes than Marvin Mims has. Uh, we need we need to get Marvin Mims on the field. And I think maybe after, like, I've, maybe, like, if they're, you're not going to do any changes after you lose by 40 points, then when are you? Uh, and this Bears, you know, defense has just been so bad def- uh, defensively again. Uh, when you talk about outside wide receivers, 10.6 yards per target, that's 26 in the NFL, 7.3% touchdown rate, that's 24th. In the NFL. We even see MVS had a touchdown come back last week. We almost had the rare MVS touchdown sighting. Um An MVS spike week. Yeah. We,
0: we almost had it. And then Rasheed Rice gets tackled twice at yes. the one yard line. We almost had a really fun Mahomes game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going with Marvin Mams. Like they have to get this kid on the field more. Uh when you look at like their their top eight uh plays gain in terms of yardage, he has six of them on the season. Uh so we've got to get this kid on the field more.
0: Yeah, I mean it. It doesn't make any sense, kind of, kind of what's been happening with MEMS. They have to get him on the field, and I do like that we're both kind of playing this same card. This, please, please play this player more, like that. Because I'm on Wondell Robinson. Wondell Robinson in his first game back from from injury last week, he played only 25% of the dropbacks, but he was targeted on 55.6% of those routes. That was kind of their game plan, to be clear. But Paris Campbell was not targeted on quite as high a percentage. It was something like 42, 43%. And so, you know, that was good. Paris Campbell is not doing anything that would keep Wandell Robinson off of the field. I think that Wandell Robinson is a better playmaker. And this situation, going playing Seattle, this is a really good situation. We mentioned it with Darren Waller. That means it's also a really good situation. For the slot receivers as well. The Seahawks have given up the most yards and 10.1 yards per attempt to slot receivers so far this season. This is a great situation for Robinson. What I'll say is that this is more for single game DFS or really deep leagues because we don't know if we're going to see that, that volume increase, that route participation increase. But it has to at some point. They have to make some changes. It's not working with Paris Campbell. Get Wondell Robinson on the field more. Get that playmaking on the field as he gets healthier. And I'm I'm hoping that we see more of them this week and he's able to take advantage in this in this really good matchup. I'm assuming you feel the same way about Mims, by the way, where we're using him. We're using him deep. We're using him in, you know, in DFS, right? Is that kind of what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're probably not going to, you know, Mims is just not getting the type of run out where you're probably going to elevate him with no bye weeks, you know, to be like a starter in your fantasy lineup, more of like, you know, stacks with Russ and stuff like that. Um, you know, Wandale, you know, going back to last year, I mean, he's been targeted on 26% of his routes run since he's been in the NFL. You know, we only have 138 route sample because of the, the the injury. But, you know, when he's been on the field, he's he's earned targets. So, you know, hey. We just need to, we just need that route participation to climb because this we've seen it now through the th- opening three weeks of the season. like this team needs like a reliable pass catcher.
0: They have to that's why. that's why, to me, they have to start getting him more involved. And I mean, maybe he's not healthy enough for that. I don't know, but uh, start getting him more involved for sure. All right, closing thoughts. We're almost done here. looking ahead to week four. what are you what are you paying attention to? What are you looking for? A- a- aside from, obviously the Bard burner that will be the Broncos. And
1: Bears. I mean, it, I mean, it's crazy coming into this weekend and thinking, I really, really wish Andy Dalton and Jimmy grapple are going to play uh, to at least help those game environments. It looks like Dalton definitely won't play. We'll go back to Bryce young and, you know, hopefully fingers crossed. Maybe we're just overthinking it. Maybe this is a spot where Bryce young gets right. Maybe uh you know th- maybe fingers crossed definitely that guy we want garoppolo to play definitely don't want to see brian hoyer play though in that game because uh, both of those defenses will
0: it even be brian hoyer it could be aiden o'connell Potentially. that might be fun yeah i don't both know. both of those defenses he played well in the preseason been
1: so bad uh the chargers and the the, the raiders uh, to open the season so we'd love to be able to attack that game too like you said we're looking for stuff and i'm real curious too uh um alvin kamara i want to see what like what his role is obviously everything's kind of gone his way over the start of the season for the saints you know jamal williams gets hurt kendra miller hasn't been able to get on the field or be effective so he's kind of walking back into this environment where he could potentially be like the clear like not even in a timeshare like be back to like being a full-time workhorse running back and he's a guy that really wasn't good last year so I'm really curious to see Alvin Kamara, like what he does with this this opportunity in this offense. Um, definitely gonna have my eyes on him.
0: That's gonna make the Tony Jones three touchdown game <laughs> hurt even more. It's just gonna hurt even more uh, because it is it is set up well for Kamara to come back. And I I have a lot. I drafted a lot of Kamara, so I am I'm hoping for the best. I'm, they're certainly hoping for the best. Kind of moving forward. The thing that I'm really looking at this weekend is that that Browns defense. I'm just fascinated by. The transition that they made. And I mean, it's, it tells you what coaching can do. Although I'll say what Joe Woods is in New Orleans right now, not doing a bad job. So just they, they fit the personnel right. Mm-hmm. It's been working. This is the first real quarterback test that they're going to have. You know, they faced an injured Joe Burrow, they faced Kenny Pickett, they faced Ryan Tannehill. So I'm, I'm fascinated by this defense. Is this past defense legit? Are we going to see this continue? Because I mean, they're quickly turning into a defense that you just, you're not playing anybody against them in DFS and you're, you're really lowering all of your players against them uh, when they're going. And so if they're going to be that kind of defense, it's going to be, it's going to definitely be interesting.
1: Yeah. I have Lamar on an F at a main event team. And like, you got to play Lamar, but it's like, I don't feel great about it.
0: No, you're not feeling good about playing Lamar. Like, and that's going to be the thing, you know, when they play, when they play kind of other teams with these high end starters, you're like, especially, especially running backs, you're going to say, well, uh, I had to play Derrick Henry last week, uh, but I didn't feel great about it and it didn't work. And so like, you're kind of, you're kind of in that, that situation with it.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to be real curious. Brown's 49ers coming out of that they there because they have a buy next week, but I want that Brown's defense versus the 49ers. Cause we just assume they're probably going to score close to 30 points again this week because that's what they do every week. Uh, that's the one man. That's the game.
0: I think the stat is that they've scored 30 points in what seven of Brock Purdy's eight um, regular season starts. Is that the number? Yep. It's somewhere around there. And so, yeah, they score 30 points. That's
1: what yeah. Browns did. Niners but Week that's... Six looks real, real hot on the table. Looking forward.
0: Tasty. That's the one I'm looking forward to next. Now that Bills Dolphins, now that we're here, that's that's next on my list for sure. All right, so that's it for us. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can listen to this live on Thursday mornings, 1130 Eastern over at YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Warren Sharp. You'll find our channel. Subscribe, and we would really appreciate that. Remember, we're running a promo on the site the it's the promo code is points what it'll be is however many points are scored in Thursday night football so if you're listening to this on thursday on friday you already know However many points are scored in thursday night football that will be the percentage discount so if they score 50 points in thursday, on thursday night then there will be a 50% discount using promo code points make sure you pay attention to the that the first year that and, happened uh, and go and get that if you the first year it was it was a big one. The right? first
1: year it was it was uh, Broncos Jets. It's always the same week, so it's not like it's just like they didn't like it, it was cherry picked for the the game. Trevor Simeon was starting for the Broncos, and Sam Darnold had like a sixty yard touchdown run. The game absolutely went like nuts in like the third and fourth quarter, and like Warren was excited early on. He's like, "Cool, there's like you know because you want some points to be scored, you want the promo code to be you want it sure. to be thirteen to 10. Uh, But there was a point in the fourth quarter, I think he was getting a little worried.
0: We're going to have 100% offers to give you a free – free. yeah, future future Jet Starter, Trevor Simeon. Future Jet Starter, Trevor Simeon. All right, that's enough for us. We're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, and uh, have a good week, and good luck this week.